on mypodcasthouse.com, you're listening to On The Grid with Tony Shebeki. G'day everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Thanks for joining us again this week. We've got a massive show coming up very shortly. We're going to chat to Stephen Grove about his uh, Carrera Cup year this week. Uh, this year, I should say, and uh, what a year it has been for him, not only here in Australia, but also overseas. Todd Hazelwood to cover off on uh, V8s for us. He, was, of course, was uh, one of the drivers that uh, got to experience tail and bend on the weekend. And we'll also wrap up the weekend in motorsport. Let's kick it off with Todd Hazelwood. <laughs> For a quick chat after his home race, one could say, is Todd Hazelwood. He joins us on the line now. G'day, Todd. Morning, Tony. Thanks for having me on the show again. Uh, thank you for coming on board, mate. And uh, first of all, let's talk about Talem Bend and your thoughts on uh, on the track and just uh, what it has done for South Australian motor racing. Uh, it's an absolute gem for South Australia, and uh, it's very amazing to have this sort of facility, not only in the country, but you know, for myself, being a proud South Aussie, to have this in the backyard. It's truly spectacular, and... I can't wait to see how it's going to keep flourishing over the next you know, few months and after the success of a, a great event just on the weekend. The track itself, Todd, uh, happy with the way it performed over the weekend? Yeah, I think it, uh, it did its job. It, it created some good entertainment and uh, good racing, and I think uh, all the drivers enjoyed the challenge. It's one of those tracks where it's got every challenge possible, and from, from an engineering point of view, it's very tricky as well, so... Uh, a great challenge, and that's what we uh, us drivers thrive on. And, uh, yeah, it's only going to get bigger and better as years go by. It's sort of one of those tracks, isn't it? And having a chat to a lot of drivers over the weekend, uh, the normal driving style, I suppose, for most of you guys, it's fairly aggressive, and you try to get the best out of the car and the track. Don't think that suits Talon Ben, though, does it? It's a very free-flowing track, and it's not one of those ones where you can hit the accelerator, hit the brake, hit the accelerator. You've got to really flow through it. Yeah, exactly, and uh, you really need a good car underneath you to be able to get the car to flow through the corner and, and being able to trust the car um, to, to get through the corner nicely because the biggest thing over the weekend was just the grip level was so low. So it was an odd sensation for us because being on a hard tyre doesn't offer as much side bite um, and then the combination of a high grip surface where the where the contact uh, contact patch from the tyre versus uh, the surface is very, is very strong, but there's not actually a lot of actual... Uh, layers of grip on the surface so it created an odd sensation where we're creating a lot of grip on entry but then not having the mid corner support from the lack of um, I suppose amount of rubber that's been laid into the circuit yet so uh, yeah that, that presented a challenge within itself it really caught a lot of us out particularly early in the weekend um, you know as you said you know we're, we're so used to being aggressive with the car and really attacking the corners hard on the brakes and, and really using the front tyres to wash off speed where we're essentially tippy-toeing out there and driving around, you know, 70 80% trying to just get a lap together, which was uh, a challenge within itself. Well, Todd, uh, once again, results probably didn't favour you this weekend once more, and uh, you've changed your car. You've gone back to the uh, the Holden Commodore VF, which uh, was successful for you in the development series a couple of years ago. Uh, it's not about results, though, is it, at the moment? For you guys, it's about, and I've, we've spoken about this in the past, it's about making sure that everything is right for a serious challenge in 2019. Yeah, 100%. You know, we, we certainly didn't go on the tail and band expecting to be right at the front, you know, making a mid-season change. And, you know, for us, it's essentially starting again. So everyone else has refined that package over the last six months and, 
you know, we've, we've started completely from scratch again. So, you know, we, there's no silver bullet in this game, and that's why we've got the long-term vision of, you know, trying to prepare ourselves for 2019 and, you know, giving ourselves every chance of doing that. And, you know, for us on the weekend, we essentially use every session like a test, uh, as a test session, I should say, um, because we're just so limited with testing. We don't get, you know, major opportunities to, to, to do that sort of work. So with Sandown and Bathurst coming up, we, we used every session possible to do as many changes as we could. Even in the race, we're making right height adjustments and spring changes, you know, spring rubbers and all sort of stuff, trying to manipulate the setup and try and work out what works best over the course of the race as a track rips up and all that sort of stuff. So, you know, the team's certainly constantly trying new things and you know, the results don't uh, look glamorous just yet, but it'll be only a matter of time before it all clicks and we can all start getting it all to come together and it will be happy days. Would it be a fair enough question to ask you, did you notice a difference between the, the VF and the Ford in effectively consecutive races? The last race you were on the Ford, this race you are in the VF. Did you notice the difference between the two? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I noticed it straight away when I drove the car in practice one. Um, so yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of good potential there with the car. I'm pretty excited about it. And um, I think I'm going to stand down, you know, coming up next, a track that we know well. We've had good success in the past with the two with a a setup that we know works. Um, you know, we, I think we can go into Sandown a lot more confident after the weekend's learning and seeing the potential of the car. And, and from a driver point of view, you always know when you've got something driving underneath you. I think that that potential is there. We just need to unlock it and get it right. Was it just like catching up with an old mate? I suppose where you sort yeah, of just it. pick up from where you left <laughs> off. Yeah, it's just like getting back with an old girlfriend. I, I don't know. It's a weird, <laughs> weird sensation. So uh, it was pretty cool to. Obviously, we had great success with the car last year, and. Um, one series title, so it's pretty cool to, to get back in that car. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be good things moving forward from here. And then, of course, next year you uh, upgrade your Commodore to the the latest model. The the was there an opportunity to do that earlier this year, or did it have to wait till next year? Oh, look for us, it's uh, probably more of a business decision. You know, electing to keep the VF in its current state because Matt also has a, a business plan yeah. of you know running. That car next year in the Super 2 Series and the ZB is not eligible. So um, there's no point spending all this money for, and then having a car parked in the shed that we can't use the following season. So, um, you know, we can't just keep throwing money on it left, right and centre if it doesn't make sense. So that's part of the reason why. Um, and we, you know, probably going to a track like Tail and Bend where it is a, you know, probably more dependent on aero uh, wasn't probably a strong point for the VF. Um, but, you know, going to going to Sandown, I think, will be a lot stronger. Uh, it obviously seemed, Todd, that drivers who had been to Tail and Bend in the past had a, a, a distinct advantage over drivers that hadn't, and I think we saw that with the two uh, Red Bull Commodores up the front. Both uh, Jamie and Shane had been there earlier in the year and, and sort of knew the layout. Was Is that a, a fair assessment of the, the weekend? Uh, yes and no. Um, I was quite fortunate to do a heap of laps myself, so... I think initially, yes, you know, in practice one for the first probably five or six laps, there was a few drivers that were just, to be fair, just lost out there. They didn't know where to position the car, and you could tell that when you were behind them because they just didn't, yeah, they were just driving awkwardly and, you know, getting it wrong quite easily. So, um, but, you know, with the, the high level of this championship, all, all the drivers pick it up pretty quickly, and, um, you know, at the end of the day, the, the pace was set by the teams who had the best car, not necessarily the drivers that picked it up the best. So, um, you know, it's distinct. It was pretty clear that there was a couple of teams that got their their rollout set up pretty close. You know, if you look at BJR, they were fast all weekend with all three cars, um, and, and obviously Triple Eight were dominant 
show a weekend and um, you know, you think you look at a, a team like DJR, Team Penske, they, they they seem to notably struggle a little bit. So um, I think on a track like that, if you haven't got your setup quite in the window, you pay a big price, and that was uh, evident on the weekend. Uh, was that surprising to you that uh, Penske, were, Penske DJR were sort of that far off the pace, especially early in the weekend? Um, oh, look, that's the beauty of a new track. There's so many variables, and you never know what you're going to turn up with, so... Um, and, and as I said, you know, you make one small change and you can find, you know, you don't, you don't just find a tenth, you find half a second. Um, yeah. and that's, that was, uh, the, the biggest thing about that circuit being such long loaded corners, um, you know, 18 corners long. It's, uh, you only have to find a little bit here and there and she adds up pretty quick. So, um, yeah, I think that, that shows the beauty of that track and that's why it was such a large spread between the field, uh, over the course of the weekend. So a real opportunity now to reset for the team, as you mentioned earlier. Three massive races coming up. Of course, Sandown, a track you know quite well. Bathurst, a track that you know well also. And then and then the Gold Coast and the uh, three rounds of the Pertec Endurance Cup. What are you looking forward to the most over the next uh, three rounds? Oh, it's, it's a very exciting time of the year, and I think it's an opportunity for a little team to get a, to get a good result, especially with the longer races. More variables involved and. Um, you know, I think it's shown in the past. If you can just keep have a good clean run and keep your nose clean throughout the long distance, you can potentially jag a nice result. So hopefully for us, we can have. We've got a test day coming up next Wednesday. We're going to refine our package. Uh, we're going to get Bryce forward in the car to get comfortable again. And uh, Bryce and I have been working very closely to try and maximise this whole opportunity racing the Euros together. And um, yeah, I can't can't wait to see it. And you know, no, more bluntly, my first uh, be my first time as a lead driver. Um, in the main event, and yeah, that's pretty special for Matt Stone and I to stir up together for the first time. Uh, no doubt about it, and you're absolutely right. I think the the biggest advantage of what comes up over the next three rounds, especially with the Bathurst, is that for teams that aren't in the championship contention, this is just an opportunity to to walk away with some some big pride, isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent, and you know, it, it's a good opportunity to grab some good points, salvage something for the rest of the end of the season, and. Uh, you know, use that energy as a, a bit of a positive step to uh, go into 2019 um, ready to go. Your fitness, mate, how's that all going? Uh, since the last time we spoke, I think you had those uh, the the shoulder issue. H- how's that all come up? Um, yeah, the shoulder's uh, all good now. It's uh, not giving me too much grief, which is good in the car. So um, it's not not 100%. There's no question about that. But uh, yeah, just managing it best I can and you know, still doing a constant rehab and physio work to keep it loose and, and keep it mobile. Um, but yeah, you know, fortunately, I've got it to a point now where the mobility is, is good enough for it to uh, not affect me, especially long, in the longer races in the car, um, which is a blessing. And yeah, at this stage, I'll probably still have to get surgery at the end of the season. But um, yeah, fortunately, I'm still able to do what I need to do inside the cabin and yeah, not let not let it affect my results. I think I got paid the ultimate compliment uh, when we're up in. Queensland Raceway a few weeks ago we had a media go-kart night on the uh, on the Thursday and I've got a plate on my collarbone and I think I might have jarred a little bit and it was actually quite sore on the Friday and I rang up Dr Carl and said that I've got a sore collarbone he said oh good on you who do you think you are Todd Hazelwood (laughs) so I think that was a compliment I don't think I've ever been compared to a V8 supercar driver before yeah there you go Uh, great to hear that you're fully fit, mate, and uh, and and all that sort of stuff is is working out for you. The team itself, and I, I know we we spoke about this earlier as well in regards to the fact that it's all about setting up and, and making sure you hit the ground running at the start of 2019. Is it tough to keep 
the motivation though in the in the sheds when results aren't going your way week in week out? Oh, definitely. It, it puts a strain on everyone. I think uh, you know in this sport, there's a lot of limelight on the driver and and what the driver does on track. But at the end of the day, it's, it's a team effort. You know, there's and there's families involved. There's you know at the end of the day where we work as a family, we spend more time at the workshop than what we do any other place. In, Around the, around the country, so um, you know everyone has to get along and, and trying to keep that that positive vibe. It is you know it can become t- a challenge, especially when you're you're fronting week in week out, you know not getting the results that you want to get. And you know it is demoralising for everyone because we all put put our heart and soul into this. And as much as it, as it is a business, it's still you know we put pride on the line, and yeah. we'll have a reputation that we want to maintain. And you know we'll we simply wouldn't be putting in the hard work and hours if we if we didn't want to do this. So yeah, look at look at stuff, you know, but that's all part of the challenge. You know, you have your you have your highs and you have your lows and, you know, the biggest thing with motorsport is that you're probably gonna have more lows than highs. So you've got to when you have the high moments, you've got to celebrate them and, and, and you know, cherish those moments because you just don't know when your next one might come around and that's certainly been the case for us this year. We had, obviously we had a great run last year but we've probably seen the, the lower end of the spectrum this this year. So um, yeah, it's just one of those things, and that's a sport, and it's you know probably the most important thing is, is how you bounce back from that, and that's kind of what we're doing now. Yeah, exactly right, mate. Well, with that sort of positive attitude, I'm sure things will turn around very quickly for you and the team, and hopefully that is during the Pertec Enduro Cup. Thanks again for your time, Todd. Really do appreciate it, and always love catching up with you, and we'll uh, catch you at a racetrack shortly. No worries, Tony. Thank you very much for having me on the show once again, and yeah, look forward to talking to you soon. Good on you. Big Mate Racing's Todd Hazelwood right here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. Right, time to catch up with a man who's going to be running in his 50th Porsche Carrera Cup round at Bathurst in just a couple of weeks' time. And gee whiz, what a busy year 2018 has been for him. His name is Stephen Grove and he joins us on the line now. G'day, Steve. Hey, Tony. How are you? Mate, I'm fantastic. Uh, first of all, congratulations on 2018. You've been there and done that. You've run pretty much a, a full uh, a full round or a full series of uh, Porsche Wilson Security Carrera Cup, as well as adding three international races to your name as well over in Europe. But do you sort of sit back and think to yourself, my God, I am living the dream? Well, definitely. Yeah, we sort of started the, the, the year off um, in Dubai doing a 24-hour race, so that was pretty exciting. Um, at Christmas time, and then to go over and, and, and do a, a track like Monaco, I mean, that's just an iconic track. Uh, it's a track that's only open once a year. It's so, it has so much history with Formula One, and to be able to get on that track and, and race a, a Porsche over there was just fantastic. So what a massive year it's been. It, uh, let's have a look at locally first in regards to what's been happening here on, on our tracks in our Porsche Wilson Security Career Cup series. And it, I think it'd be fair to say it's been an interesting year for you. Sort of started off really well and has just slipped away a little bit in the last couple of rounds. Yeah, listen, it's it's, it's a very, very competitive. I mean, I've done Career Cup. Uh, I did half a round in 2012 and then my first full round, a full season was in uh, 2013 uh, to current. And this would be the most competitive season that I've seen. And it's not that there's three or four blokes at the front that, that are really quick and then and then there's the next stage. They're quick all the way down. So if you get a bit of a bump or you run a bit wide and you know four or five cars go through, it's it's not that easy to go back and pass them. So you've really got to get everything right from quality, making sure that you're up the pointy end in quality, which gives you a good start. Get a good start, get through turn one, and then you've got to push on. So 
you've just got to roll with it. It's it's, it's a very very competitive season. Like I said, the most competitive season I've ever seen. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And of course, you're in the Tag Heuer Pro-Am category. You've got the the pro drivers ahead. And gee, as I tell you what, there's been a couple of great additions there as well, hasn't there? With uh, James Moffat and Dale Ward, and they've just lifted the standard up even further. Oh, they have. I mean, these are very very experienced guys. I mean, they're they're hard racers. I mean, you go to the back and look at Moff's career and look at what he did in, in V8 supercars. I mean, he was the guy that was really hard to pass. He was the guy that was consistent. And, and to bring him into our series, I mean, in race uh, race one there at the, the Bend, we were racing pretty well door-to-door for, for a bit. And it's good yeah. to have a guy next to you that you just know is going to do the right thing. He's, he's, he's not going to make a mistake and push you off. And, and, and we actually had a chat after the race and said, you know, how much fun that was. Steve, the Pro-Am category of Porsche Carrera Cup has always been sort of known as the, the gentleman category, you know, guys who are businessmen who love racing as well and, and do a great job of it. Is that still the same in 2018 or has it just got a little bit too competitive? Oh, no, it's, it's certainly, I mean, it, it's quite interesting when people say that, 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 you know, gentleman races like we, I mean, we do work during the week, all of us, but then it's not like we just rock up to the track on, on you know, on a Friday and put a helmet and a suit on and we go out and race. I mean, we're as close to professional as the professionals, except we yeah. have a full-time job. I mean, we have engineers. I study data and video, you know, a week to sometimes two weeks out. I spend time on a simulator. Um, our preparation would be the same as the professionals. It's just that we've got to try and squeeze it in. And it's just that we haven't come from, um, you know, 30 years of, of racing around circuits. We've sort of done it later, later on in life. Is there a is there a, a time where you sort of sat back and thought, "Geez, I had a, I wish I had have been a professional driver at some point." Well, that's a very very good question because that question gets asked a lot. But there's two sides to that, and the other side is, you know, all of us have, have spent majority of our adult life building businesses or building careers. Yeah. Um, so you sort of got to balance that. Yes, if I had have started a, a lot earlier. Um, maybe my career would have gone in a different direction, but I, I maybe wouldn't have been able to achieve what I have, uh, you know, in my personal life. And that goes for all of the, the prime guys. They've all built businesses or, or careers, and it's important that you get a balance. So I'm pretty happy with the balance um, because I can go racing now and, 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 and I have um, a career behind me. One guy that's very close to your heart that uh, hopefully will have a professional career down the track is young Brenton. He's uh, going pretty well at the moment, uh doing his stuff in uh, the development series and uh, has, has worked his way through the category as well. Yeah, correct. Brenton sort of made a decision late in life. I mean, he's only, he's only uh, 21, but he sort of, at 16, he still wasn't uh, that convinced that he wanted to go car racing. So he, he really liked the engineering side. He's very articulate when it comes to engineering. So he spent a lot of time with me through all those uh, teenage years looking at data and working out car setup, which he's quite good at, and then got into a car and, and, and was was, was okay at it, did a, did a good job, and now he's really committed to the career. So he's doing a fair bit of catch-up, uh, just trying to get that race car. He's certainly got the, the set-up knowledge and he's got the speed. He just needs to work, uh, continue to work on the race craft, which, you know, he's missed those formidable years of, of go-karting. Steve, take us through your uh, travels this year. As we mentioned, uh, you mentioned Monaco before. You've had three races uh, through the Porsche Super Cup in 2018. Tell us how that all came about and... Uh, what the future might hold. Yeah, so what we did is uh, I went back to 2016 where I started to just do some events. In 14, I did Le Mans, and then in 16, I ran with a, a, a French team, uh, and we did Spa. 
which was fantastic. So we had a connection there, and then they spoke to me at the start of the year and said, they, you know, would, would I be happy to do three rounds this year, which, which I did, which was Monaco, um, Hockenheim and Budapest with the same team. Um, so that's how that transpired and, and that developed well, and we're still working on, on next year and, and maybe looking at potentially doing the full season um, in Super Cup because they only run, they run, they've got to have a minimum five and a maximum of eight pro-ams and the rest are all juniors. And the juniors in the team are, are some of the best kids mm. in, in motorsport. They're kids that are coming out of GP3, GP2 that aren't quite getting an opportunity in Formula 1 and they come back and do Super Cup. So you're racing at a very high level and, and to, they normally team you up with one of the pro guys, the young kids, and you work with them and, and they teach you so much and you look at the data and you really follow their careers. So that's how it came about. The opportunity to race over in Europe, the opportunity to race through Asia as well, which you did last year also, are opportunities that seem really limited to a, a Porsche driver, a Carrera Cup driver. It's been a, a fantastic category in regards to giving people those chances. We look at what happened to Matt Campbell and, and where he's at now. It, you, you really picked the, you pulled the right rein, didn't you, when you came into, uh, into Porsche Carrera Cup? Oh, Porsche's fantastic. I mean, to go to Monaco... Um, it's very tight schedule over there. It's a very tight track, but it's a very, very tight schedule with Formula One. So you've got to get straight into a car. Uh, you've got one, one practice section, one quality session, and then you, you're obviously into the race. So the advantage of being able to drive a Porsche, I mean, the, the Porsche I drove uh, at Monaco was exactly the same as the Porsche I drive here. In, in every single way, it was the same car. Um, so to be able to get into that car and get on it straight away. I didn't have to learn the buttons, the steering wheel, the seat set up and all those things. So Porsche do it unbelievably well. I mean, I've been able to do career... Uh, I've done a Japanese Career Cup round. I've done a, a French Career Cup round. I've done uh, several um, Asian Career Cup rounds. Now I've done Super Cup all in the same car. Um, and the pyramid and the way Porsche do it is is, is exceptional. Yeah, it certainly is. Taylor and Ben made on the weekend a brand new track for Australian racing. Uh, a, a good mate, Sam Sheehan, of course, uh, very heavily involved in putting all that together. Your thoughts on how it all went on the weekend? Oh, Sam, Sam's done a fantastic job over there to build the track. The track's really, really good. Um, uh, it, it's a track that, that's very, very technical. Um, you, you really need to flow the car rather than the traditional, you know, accelerate, brake, stop, turn, and, and pick up the throttle again. It's a really flowing track. Um, the, the facilities were fantastic, and it's a real credit to what Sam and his family's been able to do over there, and I'm sure it's a track that we'll, we'll enjoy for many years. And for you, mate, a couple of, uh, I suppose, incidents that uh, were beyond your control really didn't add to a, a great weekend for you? Yeah, listen, in, in um, quality was a problem because we, we were red flags, so we only got one run in it, so that was a bit of an issue. And then race one... The pressures over there, you've got to run the tyre pressures quite high over there, higher than you would traditionally run anywhere else. It, it, you just, it's really hard to get uh, tyre temp. So we sort of were, were out of the window in race uh, race one, so that was a bit of a, an issue. And then I got turned around in race two and three. So they're just things that happen at close-knit racing, and the cars are all the same. So passing is, is something that's pretty hard to do. You need to be fairly committed. And, yeah, both instances were outside of my control, but that's... Uh, that's racing, and you pick yourself up and get on to the next one. The good, the good thing for you, though, is that uh, obviously the, the championship's still alive and with two big rounds to come at iconic racetracks such as Bathurst and the streets of the Gold Coast, you'd give yourself a big chance, wouldn't you? Yeah, listen, Bathurst, I've done you know, five years of Career Cup and I've done five years of, of, of the Bathurst 12-hour there as well, so that's been 
that's been quite um, a good track for me. I really, really like Bathurst. I've been lucky to to do some rounds with Scotty McLaughlin and, and Earl Bamber up there. They've just given me so much knowledge, and, and you learn so much when you race uh, with those guys, doing the 12-hour with them. So I've picked a lot up from, from what they've been able to teach me, so that's been really good. And Gold Coast is a track that uh, from day one when I started a career cup, I've always gone okay there, and, and I really like the stop-start, and I really like the track. So, um, you know, I'm quietly confident we can do a good job moving forward. Running second in the championship at the moment behind Roger Largo. He's on 8.61, you're on 8.37. So a little bit of catching up to do. But as you said, uh, with six races left in the year, it's still uh, it's still anyone's championship. But you mentioned Monaco before, and there's a lovely story that I want you to uh, talk to our listeners about, and it's uh, the track walk uh, before you actually drove at Monaco. Can you explain to us exactly what happened on your track walk? Yeah, so we did the track walk. It's quite, it's, uh, it's quite busy, and this is something I, I don't normally do, and to be honest, I've never done before. So we did the track walk. We went through Turn 1, and we went up the hill, to, and as we were walking past the the casino up there, the famous casino in uh, in Monaco, I said, well, why don't we whip in and have a quick beer? So we whipped in, and uh, we had a quick uh, Heineken, I think it was. We had a Heineken and looked at the track map and enjoyed the beer and then went back out and finished the track walk so that's something i've never done before and probably won't do again but it was a it was pretty special really to be honest and it's such uh, an iconic track i'd have to admit that there's probably not too many tracks where there's going to be a casino that serves beer so you, you probably never get the chance to do it again <laughs> yeah very true very true so mate uh, some interesting things as you also mentioned earlier that the, the possibility of you looking at maybe doing a full season in europe next year how much planning goes into that and uh, and when do you start the planning? Have you already started putting the, the seeds down now for that? Yeah, listen, being open and honest, we, we, we are working on that at the moment. It's really about logistics. Uh, it's so many races in Europe, um, so you've got to go backwards and forwards. The good thing is, is traditionally that they're in blocks of two, so your race, the first race will be in uh, Spain, I think, I think from memory, and then there's a week off and then you go back to Monaco. Then you can come back to Australia for three or four weeks and then you go back and do another race and okay. a week off and then another race. So that's something, the logistics that we're certainly looking at at the moment. The, the thing I like about that is it just it's the next level. I mean, racing three uh, races this year, um, the guys that you race against are, uh, you know, some of the best AM drivers or pro-AM drivers in the world and, and it just takes you to another level and it, it makes you prepare better and you learn so much and, and to be at a Formula One circuit, I mean, the, the weekend's just really iconic. You, as I said before, you, you live in the dream, and it's fantastic, and you, you know, you're doing what you want to do. But is there one thing that you would love to do in motor racing that you haven't done yet? Listen, I've been pretty lucky. I've done most of the circuits, uh, the iconic circuits around the world that you want to do. I think racing with my son uh, is something that, that that's pretty hard to do. The age difference, the, the you know, the ability to have. Uh, yeah, father and son that c- can compete at a competitive level. So, um, in, at the first of December, we're going to do the Nations Cup, which is a, a race in Bahrain, where they pick one team from each country. Um, so it's country versus country. So yeah. I'm doing that with with Brenton. They only allow a bronze and a silver driver, so that suits us. And we're doing it in a GT3R. Uh, so Porsche have been really helpful out of Germany to set that up for us. Fantastic. So that's that's probably. Important, more important to me now is to do as much racing as I can with Brenton um, why I still can and, and why we're both competitive I think and before if he does grow his career before he gets away and doesn't want to race with me anymore 
Well, Stephen, congratulations uh, so far on your career. As I said, 50 rounds coming up at Bathurst. It's a, a pretty big milestone for a, a pro-am driver. I think you're now listed number seven in the all-time uh, number of starts or round starts for uh, Porsche Carrera Cup drivers here in Australia. So plenty more to come, I'm sure, mate. We thank you for your time today and uh, look forward to seeing you going around at Bathurst and the Gold Coast and chasing down that championship. Thank you, Tony, and take care. Thank you. Stephen Grove joining us here on The Grid. Time to go through some of the weekend's action and results for you from Taylor Ben. What a fantastic round it was too, seeing the Supercars, Carrera Cup, so many other things there as well. The first sort of, I suppose, major national round, we had the Shannons there earlier this year, but that was very much a test round. Since then, about five or six months has gone under the bridge and a lot of work has been done on Taylor Ben and they've got it just about right. Congratulations to Michael Armand taking out his maiden Porsche Wilson Security Carrera Cup Australia round win, claiming a second race win on the weekend in race two and that podium in the final race at the Bend Motorsport Park secured that for him. So that's a real great effort by Michael Armand who uh, is just starting to come of age now uh, at the Sonic Motorsport team in that Bob Jane T-Mart uh, Porsche car. Uh, of course, he uh, had Dale Wood pretty much uh, right behind him all the way through, and that was a good effort by Dale Wood also to uh, to take a victory as well. It was also uh, good news for Roger Largo. He took out uh, the second race for the Tag Heuer Pro-Am category, but at the end it was uh, Adrian Flack who had enough points and uh, was able to take out, sorry, I should say race three for Adrian Flack. The winner of the round was actually Anthony Gilbertson, and that was due to consistency, finishing all three races with no DNFs. And, uh, yeah, Gilbo, well done to him. Also taking out his maiden round win in the Tag Heuer Pro-Am category. So well done to those guys at the Bend on the weekend. There were some other categories also racing there at the Bend. Tyler Everingham. Well, we know this boy from his Formula 4 days has made his way into the Kumo Tire Australian V8 Touring Car Series and has wrapped up the 2018 Championship. Uh, Swept the round, had a couple of hairy moments during the nine-lap season finale. The first came at the start when he was squeezed against the inside of the circuit uh, on the run to Turn 1 by John McCorkendale. And the two Falcons did make contact, and then later that lap, McCorkendale ran wide at turn six and they hit again uh, the leader's passenger's side door of course that being uh, Everingham uh, getting uh, just a little bit of a, a whack there but well done to Tyler Everingham that is a, a fantastic result for the young lad and he finishes the season as the Kumo Tire Australian V8 Touring Car Series uh, pretty much the third development level I suppose you've got uh, Super 2 supercars, and then uh, Kumo cars are just old supercars so these guys are are racing you know just cars that have been retired over the last uh, six to ten years so doing a good job of it Formula Ford Hunter McElroy has taken out round five of the Australian Formula 4 series at the bend good work by him uh, winning both of Sunday's races to take out the round and extending his advantage now to 53 points in the process so great work to Hunter McElroy who, of course, is driving a Sonic Motorsport Formula Ford car. I understand that. Aussie Racing Cars 2, Joel Henrik. 
Uh, Heinrich, I should say, completed a, a near-perfect weekend for him in the Aussie racing cars. The South Australian added wins in races three and four to the two which he took across Friday and Saturday. So that's not a bad effort for him at all. Well done to John Heinrich. And also the Toyota 86 Racing Series raced at the bend on the weekend and James Wilkins took out the third round of that uh, series, recording a fourth-place finish in race three to go with his race win on Saturday. And that uh, left him now 248 points from the round, so that gives him a nice big uh, whack in regards to the championship. So good work by James Wilkins. We should also mention Formula One racing over the weekend. Tony Ricardo had an absolute... uh, Shocker, Sebastian Vettel had an absolute ripper. Not too sure about an 11-second margin in a Formula 1 race. That uh, scares me a little bit that one car can be so dominant. 11 seconds between Vettel and Lewis Hamilton, who was second, and then another 20 seconds away was Max Verstappen in third place. A minute away was Valtteri Bottas in fourth place. Fourth place a minute away from the winner in Formula 1. That's a big red flag for me, a big, big red flag, even though we did lose a couple of uh, guys, Kimi Räikkönen early on, Daniel Ricciardo, but he wasn't doing much anyway. He had, uh, he had some severe issues, Ricciardo, through the race. So, yeah, interesting scenario in Formula 1 at the moment. Uh, Fernando Alonso, of course, coming out a week or so ago and stating that uh, Formula 1 was pretty boring, and he sort of got a nod of approval or a nod of agreement, I suppose, from the uh, F1 bosses, but they did say that they're trying to fix that. Well, let's hope they do, because seriously, we don't want 11 seconds and 30 seconds between first, second and third, and a minute between first and fourth in Formula 1 races again. That's just not good at all. All right, well, that pretty much wraps up our weekend of motorsport. Hope you've enjoyed our chats here with Stephen Grove and also Todd Hazelwood, and we look forward to joining you again next week right here on The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com.